Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Shaw. Alex Wolf has the day off. So I'm joined by the host of the Locked On Pistons podcast, Matt Shook, to break down what exactly the Knicks are getting in Derrick Rose, the Pistons season so far, and just how high the Knicks can expect their second round pick to be, which spoilers the Knicks have, and an update on our old draft flame, the Frenchman, Killian Hayes. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Wanted to remind you guys before we start the show that today's episode is brought to you by CBDMD. Whether you're a pro athlete, an exhausted parent, or you spend all day in an office chair, CBDMD wants to give you the support you need to make it through the day. CBD Freeze and Recover are an outstanding duo of topical products with specialized formulas to provide targeted relief where it matters most. And to make it even easier to try Freeze and Recover and every other CBDMD product, you can take 25% off your next order when you use the promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com, promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. Now let's get into it with Matt Shook. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I am Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster in non-pandemic times, now just a, a meager podcaster. And I'm joined by one of the best in the business, Locked On Pistons host, Matt Shook. Matt, it's an honor and excited to learn a little bit about the Knicks' newest acquisition, Derek Rose. But first, Matt, how's it going today? How's everything in Pistons land? Hey, man, anytime we can talk Knicks and Pistons, I don't think it gets any better than that, as these are obviously two proud franchises that are not so proud these days. But I'm telling you, you guys know a little bit about Derek Rose there, having him for a full season uh, in worse times, I would say, for his career back then but certainly a proud warrior that uh, you guys are going to be happy to see play night in and night out for the, uh, for the Knickerbockers. Yeah. So he got off to quite the start yesterday. I mean, he, he really couldn't have been much better in, in only 20 minutes of play Had 10 points in his first 10 minutes. And what really impressed me and what, what was one of our concerns. I know when we, when we first announced the trade, we saw he had a really high usage rate this season. And we were, we were kind of fascinated to see how that would incorporate itself into the bench because we've um, the, the real struggle of the Knicks bench unit has been Austin Rivers has kind of taken on the role as, as a fulcrum and has dominated the ball at points when Emmanuel quickly has been the far more efficient player and uh, really the guy ultimately the Knicks want to invest in and want to invest reps in. Um, and with Rose coming in, I'm like, all right, obviously that's that's a massive talent upgrade, whether he's starting or whether he's just playing in Rivers spot. But is he going to want to dominate the basketball? I and mean, we were kind of looking to it a little further and we saw like all the things he was saying in the preseason in regards to Killian Hayes and how his, he considered his primary job at this point in his career to get the young guys ready while also showing he, he still has something left in the tank. 
Um, and he absolutely lived up to that on night one. He, he was pinging the ball everywhere. He was taking shots within the rhythm of the offense. Um, I, I really, I had zero complaints from night one, but I, I was curious, Matt, if that's how he's played this entire season, or, or maybe this was sort of uh, like the first game, like the Knicks very famously traded for Tracy McGrady and he had this incredible first game and never replicated it again. Um, has that been your impression of him this entire season that he's kind of playing just to, or, or his, his main intent in playing is to get the young guys going and to help the team? Or, or is he sort of dominated the offense at different points throughout the year? I'm guessing the the ultimate answer will probably lie somewhere in the middle there. Um, I've never thought of Derrick Rose as a selfish player or anything like that, but he's just a very good player. I think with the Pistons last year, this was a team that was trying to win and trying to get into the playoffs last year. And Derrick Rose could kind of pull a bad bench unit to something like respectability or better on the nights that he really had it going. Um, but this year it's there. He was struggling early in the season this year. I mean, he only played 16 games or 15 games for the Pistons this year. They didn't play him on back-to-backs at all. Um, and I think there was a little bit of health issues early this season. He just didn't have that famous Derrick Rose burst. That certainly isn't the same as it was back in the Chicago days, but it has gotten better since that 16, 17 game that you guys had him in New York. I think in Minnesota had a little bit of rebirth health wise with the big year he had. And he was very good last year, as I'm sure, you know, in the full season that he had with the Pistons here. But to answer your question, I think that's more of a, a Thibodeau kind of thing. Like, is he going to be able to rein him in a little bit? Cause like you said, there are the quicklies of the world, the guys that you want to get the reps in, in the, in the, the ball in the the usage there. So no, I mean, the short answer is that it really wasn't all that much different. Uh, it was kind of the Derrick Rose show in some ways, and that's not a bad show. That's a good show for uh, for a bench unit. But like you said, getting the young guys, the reps, I mean, the Pistons fully converted to rebuild mode this past off season. You got Isaiah Stewart, you got Sadiq Bay, you got uh, Sekou Dumbuya, and then sometimes Fima Kailuk on the bench. So it's like four young guys and Derrick Rose and I think that was a bit of the concern here in Detroit is that those young guys maybe weren't getting the reps, didn't have the ball in their hands. So I don't know how, how much Dennis Smith Jr. changes that equation. But, uh, yeah, I just don't know that Derrick Rose had the same kind of value to the Pistons that maybe he had last year when they were trying to get to the playoffs. So I don't know. Maybe that's not the answer that Knicks fans want to hear as they want to keep the development of the Quickleys and uh, and other young players going forward and other the young guys who might – get back into the rotation someday the good news is though on the mentoring front I know I was reading a little bit how he, he already reached out to quickly and, and uh, Obi Toppin and some of the other guys on dinner on, on Monday night but uh, that has certainly been something that he has taken on that role here in his last uh, several months with the uh, the Detroit Pistons Killian Hayes couldn't say enough good things about training camp and texting him and and all the things and there was pictures and footage of them having conversations on the court while getting ready during training camp there. So in that role, I think Derrick Rose has excelled this year for the Pistons, but on the court in terms of being that facilitating point guard, I don't know that that's ever going to be Derrick Rose, but hopefully a coach that he knows well and respects a lot can maybe get that side of him out a little bit more there in New York. It was it was interesting watching him last night because um whenever whenever the Knicks acquire a veteran like that or at least this is the lesson that I learned from Austin Rivers who got off to such a good start and then has been abysmal for the last fifteen games or so 
I, I was just trying to think, how would I feel about his game if the shots weren't going in? Because obviously you're going to have those nights. And for the first 10 or so minutes he was in, I, I, I was going to say like really good because all the shots he was taking were, were good looks. And it seemed like the, he never, even, even when he would ISO up, he was making every decision so quickly within the flow of the offense that you didn't necessarily mind it. What, what the big issue for, I mean, for the next starters and their second unit and why they're been the second worst offense in basketball year is they're just, they're overly meticulous at, at different points. And a lot of that stems from lack of shooting and, and the um, defense's ability to pack the paint as a result of that. Um, so the, the other thing I want to ask you about Rose's game is, is how much you buy his improved jump shot, because obviously it's something we've seen a lot of vacillation in um, his last time when he was in New York, I think it was the worst shooting season of his career. He was pretty close to 20% from three. And he, I mean, he just looked like a broken player in a lot of ways, goes to the Timberwolves. All of a sudden he's a 37% three point shooter on decent volume. And people are like, wow, this guy is, is maybe not an all-star, but potentially like a plus starting point guard in the NBA, which isn't something that anyone really thought they'd ever get to say about Derrick Rose again. Um, and then the last few years, it's kind of been, it's been a little more hit or miss. And I was kind of interested. I, I was, I looked back at his MVP year and he was shooting essentially the same percentage he is now on greater volume. So what, what do you make of him as a shooter? I mean, I think for Knicks fans, the what, what everyone will say is sort of a silver lining is it, it's hard to not be an upgrade over Alfred Payton, but obviously you'd like a little bit more than that. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely better than the 16-17 version that you saw in New York on that regard. The 37% that he had in Minnesota, he was just really good for that first half, I guess first third of the season with Minnesota, kind of uh, off the charts, especially for his history. And then he tailed off for the next third of the season, and then he was out for the final third of the season. So it was kind of a tale of of three qua- or three uh, you know triads right there. So Last year, 30%, 31%, I guess, if you round up from three. And this year, yeah, 35, a little over 35% for the Pistons. But again, that's the 39 attempts. So you can't really extrapolate too much out of that. So yeah, I think he's a low 30% shooter there, if you want to call it 32 or 31. And it's passable. Certainly not something you want to build offenses around. But I think that's something that hurt his numbers this year here in Detroit in these 15 games, is a lot of the minutes that he had were part of these closing minutes. Now, I know that he didn't close the game for the Knicks last night. Maybe that's something that might be part of the equation going forward, whether uh, the winning continues to be something that's really important as this season goes on for the Knicks, as it certainly is right now. But we're talking about the closing five lineups. The Pistons probably have the, the worst closing five in the NBA right now. Jeremy Grant's been a revelation. Hopefully, Knicks fans have have caught on the radar of around the NBA as, as little as the Pistons matter right now. Jeremy Grant's been outstanding. He's just been excellent. He should be uh, right now the favorite for most improved player uh, in the NBA, and that could change in time. But Blake Griffin is kind of a shell of his form. He's definitely a shell of his former self. He's even a shell of uh, what he was a couple years ago right now. Hopefully he returns to form a little bit. Mason Plumley and DeLon Wright, I mean, those are serviceable NBA players, but to have that be two of your five ending closing five guys and throw a hobble Blake Griffin into that mix, and then Jeremy Grant, who's still feeling out the process of being the best player on an NBA team, especially in closing minutes. And we know how Derrick Rose, being the best option in terms of taking the ball and, and trying to get a bucket for the Pistons in their closing five last year, which was a better closing five, and it worked out at times, a couple of buzzer beaters, some really clutch shots for Derrick Rose throughout the season. 
but there were times in these closing lineups this year that he just he just wasn't good enough, and he's not good enough as at the part of his career he's in right now to win games in the NBA by himself. Had some turnovers, and it just wasn't pretty. Again, we're talking about a small sample size, and I'm sure he's going to have some good moments there in uh, in in New York as well. But yeah, I think the the numbers are probably a little bit deceiving um, for the start of this season. And he was playing well. He was playing a lot. He was a lot healthier. It looked like in his last few games with the uh, with the Pistons. And I think what you saw from last night in terms of you know blown by guys, not like the Chicago days, but there are very few point guards or any players in the NBA who can blow by their defender, even at the age that he's at right now, uh, at 32 that uh, can do that as well as Derrick Rose. I think that's something that's going to continue for at least the the short term, maybe even the medium term as well. Yeah, I think it, it'll ultimately come down to, and, and you did a good job outlining this, um, what his role is on the team. And it's interesting because the Knicks have sort of an analogous situation to the Pistons where Julius Randle is, for the first time in his NBA life, uh, feeling out what it's like to be the number one option. But he, he's had uh, 25 or so games now uninterrupted of that status. And I, I think the Knicks... Pecking order is fairly well established. Tom Thibodeau um, bringing Rose off the bench this game and um, not, choosing not to close with him, despite the fact that he was he was arguably the best Nick on the night. Um, maybe sends that message that hey, like you kind of got to accept your role here, and this is what it's going to be at least initially. I, I'm I'm interested to see if he ultimately is in closing lineups, how that works and how it fits. Uh, just because the Knicks are already built around two slashers in R.J. Barrett and Randall and don't necessarily need another guy who who, who does that um, when they have Mitchell Robinson stationed around the basket uh, every single night. And, and to be fair, Alfred Payton is is an even worse version of that guy who, who can't hit an open three. So Rose is certainly a better option over him, but it's going to be interesting to see if they maybe go with Quickly and Burks down the stretch of some of these games or if they put in Rose but then put in Quickly to just – balance that out with some shooting. All right, Matt, we're going to take our first break. We'll come right back. And you you were hinting at a little bit. I want to talk a tiny bit more about the Pistons and their overall trajectory this year since the Knicks have their second round pick. We'll be back in just a sec on Locked on Knicks. This episode is brought to you by 1010. Now, you may have read about this in the New York Times, in Style Magazine, or Forbes, and we're excited to tell you all about it. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 one-of-a-kind diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful commitment ring. They're available now exclusively at BlueNile.com. And when they're gone, well, they're gone. We all know that the diamond engagement ring is iconic. It's a timeless expression of the deepest commitment between two people. And with 1010, it's been beautifully re-envisioned in the hands of 10 modern designers working exclusively with sustainably sourced diamonds. If you're ready to mark a special commitment or looking for a unique and meaningful way to celebrate Valentine's Day, you're definitely going to want to check this out. Again, this exciting limited edition collection of diamond engagement rings is now available exclusively at BlueNile.com. All right, guys, we'll be back with Matt in just a sec. But first, if you want to get more of the sports news you need in less time, you can do it with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. All right, we are back with 
Matt Shook of Locked On Pistons. Matt, uh, you you were kind of getting into it a little bit last segment, but I, I want the full breakdown on the Pistons. Um, it was it was reported, I believe, that the Pistons were were angling in the Derrick Rose trade. Um, obviously, the the names that were out there were Kevin Knox and Frank Nilakina, but I would also presume to get their own second round pick back instead. The Knicks got away with just giving them the Hornets pick, which will presumably be a little bit later in the second round, but. That was before the Pistons scored a big win over the Brooklyn Nets last night. And all of a sudden, um, it, I mean, it's one of, uh, I was I was looking at our Locked On NBA Twitter graphic. It's one of a number of big wins the Pistons have scored this year. Uh, what's your what's your outlook on this team that obviously, to your point, has had some inconsistency, um, an unexpectedly poor season from Blake Griffin, which I drafted him for my fantasy team. My heart is Ouch. equally broken. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, I'm also also University of Oklahoma fan. So I, I'm a longtime Blake Griffin fan. I, I'm bummed. I, I hope I hope he figures things out. Uh, that being said, um, to your point, Jeremy Grant, um, an all-star caliber season out of nowhere. I mean, obviously it was something that no one could see coming, but I, I guess that's where I want to start. Like what what went into that for Grant? Yeah, nobody saw it coming except for Jeremy Grant, really. Or maybe you want to give Troy Weaver a little bit of that credit, too. The the new general manager for the Detroit Pistons came over as uh, Sam Presti's number one lieutenant in Oklahoma City and is running his own team for the first time now. And we all kind of thought, man, you got all this cap space and you decided to use it on Jeremy Grant and Mason Plumlee at $28 million per season over these next three years while teams like the Knicks are kind of holding on to that cap space and seeing what they can do with it and uh, deciding that maybe we want to go for it a little bit or we'll see what they do with the remaining cap space going forward. So, yeah, it was controversial. I kind of ripped the new GM a little bit in the offseason. I'm certainly eating crow to some extent right now. And I know Knicks fans are probably wondering, like, well, why are they excited about this team? They're, they've tied for the worst record in the NBA with the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm telling you, 6-18 and 18 right now, this is the best that Pistons fans have felt about this team in a long time, about the direction of this organization. They're on a clear rebuild. They're clearly trying to get a top five, maybe even top seven pick if you don't get some lottery luck, or maybe the second half of the season goes pretty well in the wins column, for better or worse. So everyone's excited. Jeremy Grant is only 26 years old, so there's belief that whatever carnation of the Pistons being pretty good in a couple years, two, three years, that he would be a part of that. They're, everyone's really excited about Isaiah Stewart. Uh, Knicks fans will find out here in a couple weeks about how annoying he is to play up against, and that's perfect for a team that's lineage is built on the guys like Bill Lambeer and Rick Mahorn and Dennis Rodman and those guys. So uh, it's perfect Pistons DNA, Sadiq Bay. Uh, out there from Villanova is a guy who uh, can shoot it and defend it a little bit. There's a uh, reason to believe that he's an exciting part of the future as well. Killian Hayes hasn't shown much in his first uh, run. He's, he's hurt with the hip injury for another several weeks here. So Knicks fans won't see him in that matchup coming up uh, later this month. But, um, you know, Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose were the veterans coming into this season. Blake's really struggled. Derrick Rose did his part as a, as a veteran soldier for this team. But uh, Josh Jackson, I'd be remiss without mentioning him as a Detroiter, kind of on his maybe last chance uh, in the NBA right now after struggling off the court in Phoenix after being the number four pick in 17. He's been really good for the Pistons as well. So Troy Weaver's made uh, some nice moves. Um, we'd like to see a little bit more from Sekou Dumbuya and also Svima Kailuk going forward. Those are guys that are holdovers from the previous regime. So maybe they don't have the cachet with the current front office that you, that you might hope 
for young guys that are trying to develop and trying to get those minutes and trying to get those opportunities as well. But yeah, I mean, Pistons fans for six and 18 after the Andre Drummond and Reggie Jackson years, and you can throw Tobias Harris and Contavious Caldwell Pope into there too. Just guys that were picked somewhere between six and 12 or 13 and Luke Kennard in there as well that were decent pieces, but nothing that you really want to build your team around. So hopefully a Jeremy Grant, who's like, like you said, I don't think he's going to make the all-star team, but he's a guy who deserves all-star consideration based on being a forward in the East. It's a pretty tough sledding for for him right now. And I'll throw Julius Randle into that same category as well, that uh, other years might deserve an all-star berth, but it might not happen just because of circumstances this year. But, you know, go out and draft a, a good player in the top five next year, and then maybe even a year after that, and uh, suddenly the Pistons are cooking with gas. So pretty exciting around here, despite the record. Yeah, I think I think the Knicks and Pistons are in in somewhat similar places as as franchises. I mean, to your point, uh, both in the first year of like transitional and potentially transformative front offices. Uh, both we, we mentioned uh, the Julius Randle, Jeremy Grant connection. I mean, two forwards who had uh, been role players in in very different capacities. Obviously, Grant like a highly successful like defender and, and like an integral part of a conference championship team a year ago Randall a guy who put up big numbers throughout his career but could never quite figure it out and now all of a sudden both of them are as, as we keep saying like all-stars are borderline all-stars uh, a number of interesting young pieces on both sides they've, they've now shared Derrick Rose this year and the other thing that really links the two franchises and correct me if I'm wrong on this Matt but the Pistons haven't had a whole lot of lottery luck in the last couple of years and kind of uh, maybe maybe it'll be because we do this podcast maybe it'll just be because both teams are kind of due but I, I have a feeling one one of these two teams is going to end up in the top three this year you just you just feel like it's, it's sort of due to happen right yeah the Pistons actually in franchise history have never moved up in the lottery and I know that sounds weird because Darko Milicic was the number two pick in 2003 but we use a little bit of a, um, a workaround there and say that well actually that was the Vancouver Grizzlies pick that right. moved up to number two so then we got it so that doesn't technically count the grant hill year where they're number three they were the second worst team and actually moved down to number yeah. three so they got a lottery pick but moved down in the order so yeah pistons are due knicks are due i think the league would love to see the knicks get you know a, a, a one of these top players of whether it's cunningham or mobley or whoever else you want to put in that top five right now and another guy to keep an eye on, i'm sure knicks fans have at least heard of him at this point is Amani bates from ypsilanti Michigan out here who's looks like the number one prospect in 2022 so check him out check out my Twitter feed I got a documentary I did about him that uh, that you'll want to check out as well Matt underscore shook s-c-h-o-c-h another underscore after that that's my pinned tweet on my Twitter account so I don't know if I'm answering your question here but yeah we could use some lottery luck here in Pistons land and I'm sure we're all looking at the same prospects but uh, despite the fact that Pistons just drafted a point guard at number seven this past year I think they would be a, a team just like many others They'll be very excited to pick up Cunningham if they were able to land that first pick. Well, that's a good lead-in because I wanted to finish up by quickly asking you about Kate Cunningham. We'll take one final break. We'll come back and we'll, or excuse me, not Kate Cunningham, but Killian Hayes. We'll take one final break, come back, and talk about him. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 
Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. All right, guys, we'll be back for one final segment with Matt. But first, March Madness is just a few months away, but the future of the NBA is on display right now. Get a head start on next year's draft analysis by subscribing to our good friend Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast. Draft guru Chad Ford has his first Big Board of the year out with profiles of Cade Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, and much more. Subscribe to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board podcast wherever you get podcasts. All right, back with Matt Shook, third and final segment, host of the Locked On Pistons podcast, the excellent host of the Locked On Pistons podcast. Uh, Matt, I wanted I wanted to get your thoughts on Killian Hayes because on 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 our pod we we had a little bit of a love affair with him this summer. I mean, obviously, uh, draftniks such as Kevin O'Connor of the Ringer had him as their number one overall prospect. We had a lot of people on who weren't who weren't maybe quite that high on him, but a lot of different people who had him in their top three. Um, I, I know Alex and I on DraftNet were saying, man, that was that was the steal of the draft for the Pistons to get him at seven. And we were we were sort of holding our breath. We were hoping he'd get to eight. Um, and and in, in the back of our minds, we were like, you know what, they're probably just going to pick Obi Toppin even even if he makes it all the way to eight. But we, we were we were holding out hope. Pistons snag him one pick before. It gave me, um, obviously, I didn't think he's going to be quite this good, but it gave me like small like Steph Curry flashbacks with the Knicks ending up with Jordan Hill all the way back in 2009. Um, but Hayes, obviously a disappointing start, struggled a little bit, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, um, to open his Pistons career and then suffering, uh, maybe I'm off on this. I think it might've been a hip injury. I, I know it's yep. pretty severe, yeah. uh, um, is out now for the, I think indefinite future. Um, how, how would, how was he looking before? Because I know obviously the Knicks and Pistons had those two exhibition games in the preseason and offensively obviously struggled. I was, I was impressed with how he kept the ball moving and defensively, which was an area he, he was really hyped uh, coming out of Germany. Uh, I, I, I was pretty impressed with him. I, I thought he was really good and really locked in on that end. Yeah, I think defensively, he probably, like you said, pretty well hyped up on that end as, as far as a defensive player. But I think he even surpassed expectations on that end. Now we're talking about seven games. And you mentioned the, the exhibition game. I remember him being completely lost in that first exhibition game against the Knicks. But uh, and, and it was kind of the same story in his first regular season game as well but you know he was he had moments and that's really kind of all you're asking for I question about throwing him into the mix as a starter in day one right away I don't quite understand what the reason was for Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver now uh given that there wasn't too many options at point guard now they're starting DeLon right there but um questionable there in in some accounts And, and then he goes down with the injury trying to catch up to a turnover he threw to Drew Holiday against the Milwaukee Bucks but uh, yeah, the shooting hopefully will come along. The, you know, even guys that really liked him, whether, like you said, Kevin O'Connor or some of the other folks in Pistons land, I, I had him myself personally at about number six on my board behind that top three. I was really high on Yenyeko Kongwu as well, and I had Halliburton just one spot ahead of him. So I was kind of hoping they'd go for Halliburton, and I'm not just saying that because he's been fantastic for Sacramento. You can you can check the tape on that one. But uh, <laughs> Killian – had you know he, he's got that that trait of that uh, point guard who moves the ball like you said uh, makes the difficult passes those one-handed across the court type of passes that we haven't seen point guards make here in Detroit in a long long time I mean we're talking over a decade now from uh, the Chauncey Billups era at point guard so Killian has that court sense that you want a lot of the questions were about the athleticism and the burst I don't know that he did a lot to answer a lot of those questions in the first seven games. Um, and this was, by the way, just by happenstance of the schedule, seven games against some of the top players, the top point guards out there 
in the NBA, Steph Curry, Trey Young, uh, Colin Sexton, who we didn't know at the time, but he's turning himself into one of the solid point guards around the league too. So D'Angelo Russell, I mean, he had a tough go of it. Drew Holiday as well. Marcus Smart. I mean, guys that were you know, some tough players to go up against in the NBA right away. So he wasn't going up against backups that were on his level. So for better or worse, um, we there's still a lot of potential there. The hip issue is something that you hope doesn't linger. It sounds like it's something that is not supposed to be long-term. They elected to go with rehab instead of surgery. It's five weeks before he's expected. we're expected to get a public update about him still from, from today as we tape this. So not expecting him back anytime soon, certainly. But if you're optimistic and everything kind of goes well, certainly you want to keep um, him out as long as it takes and don't rush him back. But there is some hope that he might see the court the last two or three weeks of this season maybe even a little bit longer than that, depending on what the second half of the schedule looks like. We're still waiting on that. But, yeah, if you were a Killian Hayes guy coming into the draft, there's no reason to not be a Killian Hayes guy anymore. But uh, the issues that might have been there during the draft process, uh, those negatives or possible negatives certainly weren't answered in an affirmatively positive way. So um, that's, you know, in a draft that a lot of guys are – exceeding the expectations maybe especially at the top of where this this draft group looks like to be a pleasant surprise overall Killian mostly you know mostly if not all because of the injury but even because of his poor play through seven games he's been one of the only guys in the lottery that's been a bit of a disappointment so far yeah well I mean we can that's another thing we share with Obi Toppin but that that's a conversation for Another day, Matt, really appreciate you coming on and, and giving us the latest on Derrick Rose, Killian Hayes, and everything Pistons. Um, before I let you go, can you tell people one more time where they can find your work? Because I know I, I'm certainly interested in that Imani Bates documentary, uh, next next Kevin Durant potentially for Knicks fans, uh, someone you certainly want to know about going into that 2022 draft or, or maybe 2023, depending on the high school rules, neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, let, let people know where they can find your work. Yeah. The, the, uh, the documentary is called Ipsy Zamani. We released it over a year ago. So it's been, it's been a while. It's about his freshman basketball season at Ypsilanti Lincoln, which he no longer attends. He's now in one of the private schools or, or where they travel around the country that they started their own school uh, here in, in Southeast Michigan. But yeah, Matt underscore shook S C H O C H another underscore after that. That's the Twitter feed. Of course, you can check us out on Lockdown Pistons as well. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll promise Knicks fans that there's going to be just there's going to be enough wins where you're going to or enough losses where we're going to be happy with where that second round pick ends up this year. But I don't know. They got the 2023 second round pick of the Pistons in New York as well as as far as I understand. And uh, that one, you know, who knows? That might be more of a mid second round pick if you're an optimistic Pistons fan. But I think we can all agree that. Hopefully someday, and it's probably at least a couple, maybe a few more years down the road, I'd tell this to the Celtics guys when I talk to them, nothing I'd want more than an old-school Knicks-Pistons playoff series someday, and I'm looking forward to the day that we can break that down here on the podcast as well. That, that, that'd be cool. I'm sure, uh, hopefully within our lifetimes. Uh, Matt, thanks again. Appreciate it.